Like the sun of the morning sky, the savior of the world will dawn. Like rain upon the meadows, the Christ will come down upon us. When I moved to California, it was September. I came from Boston. And as I expected, the rain came early that year and drenched the hillsides of Annadel State Park so that waterfalls flowed out of rocky mossy hillsides, seeping out of fern beds under redwoods and rushing into seasonal streams. I hiked there as much as I could because it refreshed my soul. I walked in sun and rain and felt God's unconditional love wash over me and this wondrous creation, clearing away grief and painful memories to walk new paths in this glorious country. Then spring came and it was beautiful. Forsythia and poppies bloomed in our yard followed by wild roses and lavender and even that smelly wild garlic. It was sunny and dry and I waited for rain and waited and waited. Soon the flowers and the plants in the garden were turning brown, wilting and dying for lack of water. The hose I picked up felt totally inadequate in face of what was becoming a vast wasteland. And the grief held on. It was a Sonoma summer. We live in a time when it is easy to feel inadequate to what we are facing. The fear and perils of the pandemic, destruction from firestorms, aching grief of loss of loved ones, shrinking personal budgets, cyber sabotage of our national infrastructure, systemic racism, unease about how we'll live through the holidays with or without family or friends. All these hover like clouds over our souls, like a veer, sear, vast sear wasteland in my garden that summer, before I realized what an irrigation system was. An irrigation system can help a garden bloom, but it is not what a body, what a human being needs. We need God. We need God to come down on our sear and wasted souls in this difficult time. And that is why I love that promise I read every morning in Advent in the Franciscan daily prayer office, common prayer. Like the sun in the morning sky, the savior of the world will dawn. Like rain upon the meadows, the Christ will come down upon us. We come together today to worship God who comes down like rain upon David, a king, and Mary, a maiden without royal lineage. Through the prophet Nathan, God comes to David with an unconceivable promise in a war of warring kingdoms. I will point a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. 
Only God could promise this. Then through the angel Gabriel today, God comes to a young Jewish unwed mother named Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, there will be no end. Only God could have said this. God could have promised this. In the midst of their everyday lives, governing a powerful nation from a throne or planning a simple wedding in an ethnic community barely tolerated by conquering Romans, God comes unexpectedly with surprising news, unconceivable news, a good word for the people of God. Now, Nathan's message must have surprised David, who only wanted to build a house for the Ark of the Covenant. Then David hears what God thinks about this dream. Are you the one to build me a house? I've not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt. Did I ever ask you, why have you not built me a house of cedar? David reminds me so much of Peter at the Transfiguration, wanting to build dwellings for Jesus and Moses and Elijah. But God will not live in a house built by David or Peter. God's love will not be contained or controlled or tamed by enclosing our expectations of God's desires or God's call to us or God's presence with us. God's love and call will be revealed when God comes to us wherever we are, in a royal palace in Jerusalem or a small town in Nazareth, on a hilltop with Jesus, or in our own darkest nights, wildest wildernesses, driest deserts, and fiercest storms. When our world is too dangerous and our dreams too small, God will come. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary, betrothed to Joseph in the line of David, not in a sanctuary consecrated to the Lord, but in a backwater town called Nazareth, a remote agricultural village on the road to Egypt whose name is never mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. Gabriel comes from God. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Jesus, Mary asks, how can this be since I'm only a virgin? Mary and the angel engage in a holy conversation. She invites God's messenger to hear her out. And the angel does. The child will be born of the Holy Spirit. He will be holy. He will be the son of God. God not only comes to, into Mary's life, but into Elizabeth's, the long barren one. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary accepts God's unlikely word. Here I am, servant of the Lord. 
Let it be with me according to your word. She asks God's messenger to speak and she listens and she accepts God's promise. How brave she is to accept God's call when she could have demurred. Now that doesn't mean Mary welcomed the news. There's a difference. To welcome means to see a guest, perhaps, whose arrival is a cause of joy, or to receive a person or news with gladness. It would take time for Mary, or for any of us for that matter, to ponder the words of the angel. That's how we understand God's call to us, God's truth about who we are and whose we are and how we are to live with one another, with peace and justice and compassion. Advent is a time of coming. God comes to us with a call and we come to God with all our questions, open hearts, ears to hear, and minds to accept or reject God's word. God who may think our dreams are too small. God whose love is greater than we ever expect. For Mary, I imagine Gabriel's news came with a hovering awareness of the precariousness now of her engagement to Joseph, of her vulnerability as an unwed mother in her family and small town, her uncertain future, even as a married Jewish family in a nation dominated by Gentile Romans. How can this be? So Mary seeks out Elizabeth, Loving Ken, who exclaims at the door, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. I wonder how hard it was and how long it took Mary to process what was happening to let go of how can this be, to feel blessed and to believe and to speak. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his maiden. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Did Mary really sing this song of praise at Elizabeth's door, as it seems in this text? Or did it take hours or days, even months, for her to understand her blessing, to come to joy, to proclaim the Magnificat? Now, as someone who finds it all too easy to imagine the worst, to recall the darkness that's befallen me in times past, the only thing that makes it plausible for me to think that Mary sang the Magnificat at Elizabeth's doorstep is that Mary hears Elizabeth's affirmation of her call and she recalls the angel's assurance for with God nothing is impossible for with God nothing is impossible there is the proof right before her Elizabeth the barren one is pregnant And Elizabeth, bless her heart, 
welcomes Mary. Through Mary's open, vulnerable, and courageous relationship with the angel, and then with Elizabeth, who invites her to stay when the world would surely shun her, Mary trusts that God has indeed come to her, and she welcomes God's promise with joy. Mary's so full of joy that she proclaims the epic story of God's coming to earth among her people. As David did before her in Psalms, Mary shouts, she witnesses, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Mary may have been poor, her kinfolk persecuted by Romans, and her mind overflowing with anxiety about what this pregnancy would mean. Yet even so, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. God, our Savior, has always come comes now and will come forever to withered souls in dangerous times with healing waters and the promise of abundant life. Now being God's people is never easy. David and Mary and even Elizabeth all come to understand this in their myriad of personal heartbreaks and grief. Our expectations of God and hopes for ourselves will be shattered by the realities that nature does not always bend to our wills. Systems of social and economic injustice, limits of science and medicine to heal, oppression and inequality that marginalize the weak and powerless, and people we trust who may hurt or betray us, however unintentionally, Mary's, how can this be, echoes in all of us when our souls are dried out for lack of rain. That's when angels bring good news. And friends, old and new, open their doors to us, even when we are at our worst. And we come to life again, and we come to trust again. One theologian has suggested that happiness is receiving what we want, but joy comes in receiving what our souls need. And we may not even know what that is until we seek and ponder and gratefully receive it. And it's often the surprise we didn't expect, as in Gabriel's promise of a child from the lineage of David who would be savior. Mary welcomes this truth because God comes to her. And because she dares to ask the angel a question and she listens. And whenever her fears arise, Elizabeth will be there at her side. Mary welcomes God's word knowing nothing of the future. And I invite you to listen to me the good news of today, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Like the sun in the morning sky, the savior of the world will dawn. 
like rain upon the meadows, the Christ will come down upon us. Amen.